My name is Wade. Welcome back to Super Junior Podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in again. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, man. So how's everybody doing today? Hope everyone had a great week. I certainly had uh, a long-ass week, man. A long, long, long week. Uh, being broke sucks, man. <laughs> being broke really does suck. It's, it's a struggle. It's a struggle. But other than that, I'm, I'm fine. I had a great week. Hope you guys enjoyed yours. Hope you guys had a great start to your week on Monday. My Monday was great. I had fun. I couldn't wait to get to this part of my Monday. Just talking and just letting shit out, you know. It was a great Monday. Got my um, midterm back from my um, class. I got a 92. <laughs> kind of proud of myself. I haven't got good grades in a while. Got to get back on my stuff. But anyway... I was just I was happy to get home. And you know when I got home, you know what was on TV. Don't yo. That said it last week. Eli Manning sucks, yo. I said it last week and no one wants to admit to it. Eli sucks. He sucks, man. Oh man, he sucks. But anyway, besides my night football, the Giants played the Falcons Monday Night Football, but also my Knicks were on TV as well, which I was I, I got to catch the end of it. I didn't get to see all of it, but I caught the end of the game. But I did hear some of it in the car. I heard the Knicks were down in the third quarter, like 19 points, and um, Trey Burke brought him back to like get the game close and actually get the lead a little bit. And I'm proud of the Knicks, yo. Like, oh, by the way, oh, NBA season is back. NBA season is back. Finally, my Knicks, my Knicks are back. I'm liking what I'm seeing from my Knicks. In Fizz, I trust. Like, literally, in Fizz, I trust. Because Fizzdale's doing a great job with this team. Like, I see a fight. I see, like, backbone. I see a grittiness. I see, like, a want to. Like, the past couple of years with the Knicks, you like you look at the games. It, like, they quit at the first quarter, and the game is terrible. I don't want to watch that crap. I don't want to watch it. And I even broke my tradition of going to Knicks games for my birthday because I didn't want to pay my money to go see them just like wet the bed and every time I went they used to lose anyway so I was like let me stop jinxing them niggas but anyway yeah my Knicks like they just like last the past few years before um Fizdale they were doing terrible like you could barely watch them play like there was no energy in the garden there was no like oomph there was no pizzazz there was nothing to like get the fans behind them now, this year, I see it. Tim Hardaway Jr. is balling. I'm proud of Tim Hardaway Jr. I don't know what Fizdale's got in his ear, but Tim Hardaway Jr. is balling right now. He's going to be, he's he's making his way to be like a legit 
like second option maybe if he could like step up and be more consistent and be and consistent and more efficient if he attacks the rim more i think tomorrow jr will be amazing instead of taking a lot of those like bailout jumpers he takes he bails his defense out by taking those lot those long threes or long twos he doesn't need to do all that he can get to the rim whenever he wants not whenever he wants but he gets it like a little at, a little at will but Tamar Wade Jr. is doing great. He scored 20 points in all four games so far. I'm proud of Tamar Wade Jr. Ennis Cantor is another one. Ennis Cantor is a beast, man. I love Ennis Cantor. He's like, he's the reason why I love the Nick team. Like, that nigga Ennis Cantor, I love seeing him, yo. Like, pause. Like, I do love seeing him because that man, he like, he puts in work. Pause. He puts in work. He, like, he gets a double-double every fucking game. He's rebounding. Like, he plays hard. And Fizdale, he gets it. I'm telling you, if he Fizzle stays in his ear, he gets his game up on the defensive end. And his is going to be a beast. That's all I got to say. He's going to be a beast. And then we also have Alonzo Tria, that rookie. Whew. Alonzo Tria, that rookie, that dunk he had. He looks good, man. I love Alonzo Tria. He's a good, he looks really good. Yeah, just the first few four games this year, including tonight, like all of them, they've been very competitive. They're not, they're not quitting. They're not giving up. They're always fighting to the end, and I like, that's what I like to see. Like I like to see the team fight to the bitter end. Like they're not gonna just give up on the game or give up on possessions. Like they may start off bad, but they're gonna always fight back. They're always gonna try to f- find a way to fight back, especially if the Knicks try to protect home court. That's what I really care about. I want to see this if the team can like. At least protect home court. That's all I want to see. Or be competitive. I just want this year. I don't care if the Knicks win uh, ten games. I just want the Knicks to be competitive. Look like they, like they have some fight in them. They have some dog in them. Like you know what I mean. I want to see the Knicks do that because they had a close game against Boston. They were down and they came back in the second half. They were down against Brooklyn. They came back in the second half. They were down against Milwaukee tonight, and they came back. And they almost took the lead, and then they just gave up in the end. They just they had to learn how to win, and they also had to like I like the fight. They just had to learn how to win and learn how to be like take their play from the second half and extend it to the full game, and they'll be fine. And I'm I'm liking what I'm seeing. And if Porzingis fits in, and then and Fizz up getting his ear and make him like what he did for Tim Hardaway Jr. Like I see a little different Tim Hardaway Jr. Tim Hardaway Jr. Last year he was like he was a little erratic. He wasn't like himself. Like he wasn't like the Tim Hardaway I saw in Atlanta when he was like coming coming into himself. Now I see Fizzle like I feel like Fizzle's developing him into like like a first option, like a possibly a first option, if not a first option, a really good second option. Cause he's right now he him and Cantor are the are, are the duo. Like that's the, that's the team right there. Cantor's gonna take everything down low, and Tim Hardaway is gonna take everything up on top. So we'll see. I'm liking what I'm seeing. I'm liking what I'm seeing from my Knicks. I like it. Now, Boston Celtics. The Knicks played them in their third grade. The Boston Celtics, oh, Lord, man. Boston Celtics, like, we saw them play the Raptors this week. They played them. They lost to the Raptors. The Raptors right now, 3-0. and And to be, this is talking the Raptors real quick. This is real, real, real quick. That DeMar DeRozan and... What's the name trade? I think that trade is a lot closer than people think. Like I don't think it was like like anyone lost the trade. I think for San Antonio Spurs, having DeMar and Marcus Aldridge is gonna be is gonna be great for them. 
especially Popovich, the things that he'll do for um, DeMar DeRozan with that mid-range game. He's going to exploit DeMar DeRozan's mid-range games at every chance he can get. Pick and rolls. Imagine him and LaMarcus Aldridge and pick and pops. Oh, my God. Pick and rolls. The pick and pop with um, LaMarcus. And then the, if Marcus ever wants to roll, you can't sag off of DeMar because he's going to hit that jumper. You leave him over, he's gonna hit that that mid range jumper. So you can't you can't leave him. And then you have Rudy Gay also on the team. Rudy Gay could be a good little third option if he's back from that heel injury, the Achilles injury. I think Rudy Gay could be a good third option if he can like get a little like step it up a little bit, a little bit more from Rudy Gay. Like get to like eighteen points for Rudy Gay, and you still gain like twenty in the twenties from Demar and what's his and Lamarcus Aldridge. And if those then. If Lonnie Walker comes back and he's able to like contribute, Lonnie Walker to the fourth, I can see the Spurs still making the playoffs this year. Cause I don't think because Demar Derozan is not a, like is not like the Spurs made the playoffs last year without Kawhi Leonard and no Derozan. Now you add Derozan, I know it's gonna be difficult because they don't have their starting backcourt with Devontae Murray being out, and they have to and um, Lonnie Walker is hurt too, so. It's going to be interesting. I think the Spurs can be good. And then, you know, Toronto. You already know how I think about Toronto. I told you guys last week, Toronto is going to make the Eastern Conference Finals. And we saw a preview of it when they faced Boston this past weekend. Boston, man. Boston, Boston, Boston. I think Boston actually faced both teams that are they vying with. They faced Philadelphia on opening night. They beat Philadelphia. And then they faced the Toronto Raptors. In the following game, I believe, and they lost that game to the Raptors. I'm telling you, it's gonna be those three teams, in my opinion. Like no one is gonna like. I think it's definitely gonna be Boston and Toronto in the Eastern Conference Finals, but I wouldn't be surprised if they got there. Besides the fact that Eastern Conference is gonna come down to those three teams, Magic Johnson also kind of talked about the Boston Celtics this week as well when he was on the when he was on first take on Thursday. He said the Celtics can take the Warriors seven, take the Warriors seven games, and would be shocked if they won. I said the same thing last week. Magic is saying the same stuff I said last week. I told you, Boston is gonna make the the um, finals against the Warriors. It's gonna be Boston versus the Warriors in the finals. That's I told you guys this, and it's gonna go seven. I didn't say Boston will win though. I think next year if they face each other, I de- think definitely next year Boston will win. This year, I don't know. It'll definitely be close. I wouldn't be surprised if Boston won, but Boston can win. He said that, and he imagine basically said the same thing I said too as well that they have, that they have a deep bench, like they can go at least ten deep. They have like two, they have two units, they have two starting units in my opinion. Like you can't like they have they have bigs, they have like. Like tough bigs, they have Aaron Bain, Aaron Baines, and you also have Al Horford. They have Mark Marcus Morris. I don't know, one of those Morris brothers, Marcus or Marquise. I don't know. And then they also have um, Terry Rozier coming up the match. Marcus Smart. Then their starting lineup is ridiculous. They have um, Kyrie Irving, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Gordon Hayward. Come on, man! Like it's ridiculous. Yeah. Their lineup is ridiculous, and I think that's like the only lineup that I can see like that can go head, stand head to toe with Golden State, and I think they can go at it, and it will be a great series. I want to, I want to see that crap last year, and when Kyrie and Gordon Hayward wasn't there, I just wanted to see 
Boston going up against Celtics more than I wanted to see the Cleveland Cavaliers going against Celtics. We already knew what I was going LeBron walking off with a loss again. <laughs> it warmed my heart, but still, I don't want to see that over and over again, you know? And then, also, he kind of said that Showtime is bad for Lakers, but we'll get to the Lakers later. Later, we all know what happened with the Lakers this week, but we'll get to the Lakers later. Speaking of Boston and the Philadelphia, Boston-Philadelphia game, um, I was looking at, what's this thing called? League pass, NBA league pass, and they were showing the best dunks of the week. They were trying to say Jalen Brown's dunk was a, po- like, he posterized, and that was a dunk of the week. It wasn't even a dunk, and it wasn't even that nice. Like, he blocked, and B blocked the ball, and it happened to ricochet in. It's not counted as a dunk. Like, I don't, like, I, I, Negro, please. I hate people. Like, why do you, why do you have to make it a thing? I just, it just made no sense to me. I was like, come on now. Come on. Come on. But after the game, Embiid, he was, he got asked about the Boston Celtics. And he said this about the Boston Celtics. He said, this isn't a rivalry. They always kick our ass. They lost eight out of the last 10 games, which is so true. And that's why I feel like, uh, Jimmy Butler, if you still want to get traded, I think you should definitely go to Philadelphia. You'll be much needed in Philly. Like, everyone was talking about them getting Paul George or getting um, Kawhi Leonard. But, like, if you can't get those two, I will take Jimmy Butler as a consolation prize any day. Like, Jimmy Butler is balling, man. Jimmy Butler hit the clutch shot that game against the Spurs. Their first game against the Spurs. They beat the Spurs. Jimmy Butler hits the, um, the clutch shot to tie the game. Then DeMar DeRozan hits the shot. To give the Spurs the lead again, but they lost. Yeah. DeMar DeRozan stepped up. I'm telling you, DeMar DeRozan's going to be nice. But yeah, Gene Butler still hit a clutch shot in the first game against the Spurs. And then Cat, he was a no show. He only, he was 22 minutes that game, two for six from the field, nine rebounds, eight points, and he fouled out. Wiggins, he probably scored them quiet 20 points. He was eight to 18 from the field. Wiggins sucks, yo. Wiggins sucks. And Cat needs to show the hell up, man. He really needs to show up. But back to what I was saying, Jimmy Butler, if you still happy there, I can see why you would be because your supporting cast sucks. But D-Rose, I think D-Rose is coming back, man. I've been seeing a, lot, a little bit of highlights of D-Rose. D-Rose is, he's looking nice. He may not be like the same, he may not be dunking, but his, he's, the acrobatics is there. His explosiveness is there. Like, you can see it. I see it again. D-Rose is looking nice. Pause. Going back to Jimmy Butler. I think he'll be great on Philadelphia, by the way. I really do think he'll be great on Philadelphia. And he'll be a great third option. He hits threes. He brings in a certain level of toughness. He can guard. And I think with Ben Simmons, the way he's playing right now, he needs a jumper, but he's still effective. But in the playoffs, he's going to have to find a little like a little bit of a jumper. A 15-footer, just something. Something to keep the defense honest so they don't just sag off into the lane. They just need he needs to find like he needs to find that jumper. He just he needs just does. And but one thing I do like about him this year is the fact that he's playing way better defense. Like his defense has really he's stepping up his defense. So is um Embiid. Embiid playing really good defense as well. And you add Jimmy Butler to that, they'll be I think they'll be formidable. It would definitely be a three, a three tie. Like I don't know, wouldn't know between the three of the teams who's going to make it. It'll be matchup based. I'll have to see the teams go against each other. Because right now, I think Philadelphia 
could probably beat Toronto. But I don't think Philadelphia could beat Boston. And I think Boston will probably... I think Boston will have their hand. Oh, man. I think Boston could beat Toronto. But I think they will have their hand. It will be a seven-game series, and I see it going back and forth. Like, I don't see Boston, like, definitively beating Toronto. But, like I said, if the Philadelphia gets Jimmy Butler, even though I think Boston will still beat Philly, I think it will go seven games. I think Boston right now, they could beat Philly in five or six games. Like, I don't think it will be a long series against Boston versus Philly without Jim Butler. That's just my opinion. And then also, if they want to win, I think they need to make one more, another big move. Because I don't know about Markel Folks, man. Like, I want to, I want him to, like, just be good and, like, get over whatever he's dealing with. Mentally, because you can tell it's all mental with him. It's not anything physical with his game. It's just all mental that's brought, that's like that was hindering him. So if Markel Fultz can get his head right and get his head like straight and on an even kill, like I feel like Markel Fultz will really be a good asset to them. But if not, I'm telling them they just need to go for Jimmy Butler. They just need to go for him. But I was also listening to um, Colin Coward's like TV show also this week, and he was trying to say. That the Philadelphia Stars are going to break up. I would say. He said it's going to kind of be like a Shaq and Penny type thing. They're both young. They both want to get. And be likes the attention. And what's his name is like too cool for the attention. So he doesn't like go out. So it's going to like cause a rift. Because and B's always going to have the media with him. Because he was. He's more media friendly. And since Simmons is more. Like reserved and not so outgoing, like Embiid, the media's not is gonna gonna not gonna like side with him on issues and stuff like that. I said, uh, I think he's reaching. I really do think he's reaching. I think Embiid and I think Embiid and Ben Simmons are, are gonna stay together for a while. It depends, man. It just really depends if they win. If Embiid, if Embiid, it'll all the, I think it won't, it won't have anything to do off the court. I think it'll all have to do on the court. If Ben Simmons not having a jumper is is like hindering the growth of the team, I think he, I think Embiid would walk. If Markel Folks is turning out to be a scrub, I think Embiid will walk. Like if Embiid is doing his job and doing what he's supposed to do, I think that's the only way. And they're not pulling their weight. That's the only way it's not gonna work. That's the only way. But since I know Ben Simmons is going to pull his work, I already know. Like, I feel like he's going to get that jumper. He's going to surprise the By the end of the year, we're going to be seeing him beat, um, Ben Simmons hitting jumpers. Maybe not on the regular. Maybe once or twice a game, he's going to be hitting jumpers. But I don't see that happening. When he said it, I was just like, eh, it's a little stretch. A little, little stretch. A little stretch. <laughs> but anyway, back to the Lakers. It's time to talk about the Lakers. LeBron. Da, 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 da. LeBron. LeBron. I don't know why I just made that sound. I really don't know. But, yeah, LeBron made his Laker debut this, this past week. Thursday night against the Portland Trailblazers. Up, oh, up, oh, up. Oh. Before, before we get into LeBron. Because I love this team. I love this team. I'm kind of proud of this team right now. They're doing their thing. The Portland Trailblazers. They had a really good game. They had a really good game that game against the um the Lakers. They won the game. 
Lakers lost. I was happy about that. It's good to see the Lakers lose. It was good to see that the the Portland Trailblazers did not back down for LeBron James. Maybe it was just me, but seeing the Toronto Raptors always back down from LeBron James, I feel like all the teams in the East used to do that, and I don't want to see the people in the East and the West do that as well. So seeing Portland not back down, LeBron made his little run. LeBron was dunking everywhere. Oh, LeBron. I can't And those fans that just let um, Lakers fans put LeBron jerseys in and take over their gym when the Lakers are coming into their um, home arenas. It's ridiculous. Why you let these, why you let your fans, all these people come in wearing LeBron jerseys, chanting for LeBron. Sounded more, in Portland, the, the Lakers fans sounded louder than the Portland fans. It's ridiculous. Like, that is very disrespectful. Like, but we see the impact of LeBron. But I'm proud of the Portland Trailblazers, Damian Lillard, and CJ McCullum for not backing down from that, like that pressure and that um, level of energy for that was behind LeBron that night, and still pulled out that game. The Lakers, on the Lakers, they just need, they have no defense, and they can't shoot the three. But I'm staying on my Portland Trailblazers for a little bit. Zach Collins, I think Zach Collins is a great, a good, 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 good power forward, very good power forward. I think he's going to be a great asset for for Damian Lillard and CJ. Like he's another asset for them. He he's a great def- he looks a good defender as well. A really good defender. He was blocking a lot of shots this past week. And I know he has a post game cuz when he was at Gonzaga, he had a really good post game. So I want to see him like develop that and I think he had a jumper as well, if I'm not mistaken. But I think Zach Collins has a nice little jumper. So if he could play he could go to like a little small ball line with Zach Collins. He's a good rebounder. He's a he's a legit sis like six ten, six nine. And I think he's slender. He can run the floor better than Yusuf Nurture. So he could be a little versatile. But another good person I saw this year for them. So when Seth Curry gets it going, I think Seth Curry could be a good asset for the Portland Joe Base as well. But Nick Stauskas. If Nick Stauskas keeps shooting like this, shooting with confidence, like I think Portland could be in a great position this year. Like, I don't know who's not going to make the playoffs this year on the Western Conference because a lot of these teams look good, especially if Portland can, like, keep up their their pace right now. Like, I like how Nick Stouse is playing. I like how Zach Collins playing. Of course, I like Damon and CJ, but I don't want everything to be dependent on Damon and CJ. I need to see other people. I need to see Yusef Nurtrick develop into something like a low-post Dom, like a dominant low post threat. I mean, every time someone goes up against him, I want to say barbecue chicken. That's how good I want Yusef Nurture to be. He should be making double doubles every night. And I think he, that's why they traded him from Denver because they knew he wasn't better than Nikolai Jokic. But Yusef Nurture, you're nice. I need to see that potential grow because you need to be Dame Lillard's like go to. Go to. Like throw it down low and then. You could be like a, the Orlando Magic did with Dwight Howard. Like, if you could throw the ball down to Yusuf Nurjic and have to demand a double team on Yusuf, that opens up everything else around him for shooters. Shooters like Nick Stouses, Seth, Seth Curry, and also CJ McCollum, Damian Lillard. Like, Yusuf Nurjic can be uh, a low down low. If he just needs to develop his game, like, just develop, develop your post game and you'll be amazing. That's all I have to say, Yusuf Nurjic. But Zach Collins, if he could come in and spell Yusef Nurchage, because Zach Collins coming off the bench. So if Zach Collins comes in and he plays 
that role, if he could be like a low post threat, but also could be like a three-point threat as well, or or even a mid-range jump shot threat, that would be great for Paul Chalbase as well. It just needs to be more, like, it needs to be a full-team effort with Portland. It's not going to just be Damon, CJ. And I love the fact that he's going to die with that that squad. Like, yo, it's us against the world. Like, And I love that mentality from Damon Lillard and CJ McCollum. Like, yo, I, fuck what the rank got to say. We're going to win a title. We're going to try and go out there and every day. We're going to try to win a title. Even though you want to back down and you want to go join a team that won 70 games. No, we're going to stay here and fight. I, I respect Portland. That's the reason why I like Portland. But going back... Going back to the Lakers. Oh, Lord have mercy. I don't like LeBron James. It's not that I don't like LeBron. It's just... Oh, I just don't think he's as great as everyone makes him out to be. But that's just me, you know. But LeBron, Lakers lost the first game. I thought they played pretty well. Like They can, they can score. They, go, they can score in the paint. They can run. They can run fast break like crazy. Like... The Lakers going to be able to run this year. I can tell you that. They're going to be able to run. But are they going to play defense and are they going to be able to shoot the three? And that's their only questions. Are they going to play defense and are they going to shoot the three? And you got to see who is going to be LeBron's, like, who's going to be the squad? Like, is it going to be Lonzo Ball? Can they depend on Lonzo Ball? Josh Hart, he looks good. Josh Hart looks good. I like how Josh Hart is playing. I like how his mentality, and I see that he's, like, he got some dog in him. Um, Brandon Ingram, he's he's a he's not a bad player. Like Brandon Ingram, I think he's gonna be. I want to see him like take that next step. Like I hope, I'm hoping LeBron. Like I said before, like I like to me, LeBron. It's gonna be a test to see if LeBron's gonna be able to actually grow and develop talent. You know what I mean? Because I feel like when he, like I said in this episode, like. I feel like LeBron, he doesn't actually help players grow. I feel like LeBron just, he brings players who have the qualities that he's looking for, and then he just accentuates that. He's like makeup. Like, makeup accentuates your beauty. Like, LeBron grabs talent. Like, Carl Corey, you shoot threes. Come here with me. I can get you wide open threes so I can accentuate that talent. But what else did LeBron, like, help Kyle Corver grow? Did Kyle Korver learn how to play defense? Did Kyle Korver learn how to do anything else but run around and shoot threes? No, he just did what he did. I want to see from the Lakers, I want to see Brandon Ingram take that next step and do other things, be able to handle the ball, play off the ball, different things like that. Like, I want to see LeBron play off the ball, teach these young kids, like, hey, this is how you play off the ball. This is how you, this is how you play make. This is how you um, control the offense. I want to see those different things. That I didn't see when he was in Cleveland or when he was in Cleveland. And it's going to be a, di- a good barometer because I feel like what LeBron's trying to do right now, he's trying to show and prove that he is a leader. He's a leader of a team, a leader of a man. Because I think no matter, LeBron will probably won't ever say this, but I think Kyrie leaving him, especially being that Kyrie was a young player that he handpicked to mentor and because he said he has nets like Kyrie got nets and it was funny like Kyrie basically said nah I'm good I don't want you to match shit I'm good um, I don't want to be around you so that, that, that kind of hurts LeBron's ego or LeBron's image that hey LeBron chose him 
And then he didn't want LeBron, so he wanted to leave from LeBron's under LeBron's wing. He didn't like how LeBron was handling himself. It says a lot. And now he's going to LA, so he can, I think, to show and prove that hey, I I can work. I do work well with others. I can help. Um, I can help a younger younger star grow underneath me. That's what he's gonna have to show and prove right now. That's what LeBron's out to show and prove. Can he help develop a younger star? Because to me, Kyrie Irving is more from the ilk of Kobe Bryant. Like that's more Kobe Bryant's. Like I feel like LeBron's trying to find someone that's gonna be like another him or like or develop someone underneath him. I thought that's why I thought he might gonna go to um, Philadelphia because Ben Simmons is a complete copy of him, but. A carbon copy. He's a light-skinned version of LeBron James, but, you know, but LeBron James has a shot, right? Well, not right now. LeBron James can't shoot right now. But game two, game two of LeBron, the debut at Staples Center. The debut. The debut. What the hell is wrong with Brandon Ingram? Like, what is wrong with him? Like, I don't get what his issue was. Why would you push James Harden? First of all, James Harden looked like one of those kids like, oh, my God, why you push me? Game Harden looked like he died. And like first off, when he got pushed. But anyway, Brandon Ingram, you just you did too much in that fight. Chris Paul, Lord have mercy. Lord. Chris Paul and Rondo. I you heard after the game, Paul Pierce say, like, oh, Chris Paul and Rondo never liked each other. Like, this is not a surprise to me. Like, if you know the history, they not they they don't like they don't like each other. Apparently. Murray Jarmondo pointed out the fact that he has a ring and CP3 doesn't. And CP3 responded one time and said, oh, like you wouldn't have a ring if you weren't with KG, Paul Pierce, and Ray Allen. That kind of stinks. Okay. But let's just go to details of it. This man, this man, Ray Jarmondo, Lord have mercy. This man, Ray Jarmondo, he decides to spit I can't even say spit because it was kind of slick. Like you wouldn't notice it if they didn't like do a super zoom, and that super zoom is ridiculous. Like who can see that? Like that that super zoom is ridiculous. Who had the time to go super zoom it to find out this thing is spit? But anyway, they super zoomed it, and he we see the man spit on on Chris Paul. He spit on his face. Chris Paul, I don't know how you only poke this thing in the eye. It was an aggressive poke. I would say that it was an aggressive, like, nigga, don't you ever fuck with me again type poke. Like, don't you ever in your life spit in my face, nigga. That was the type of thing he tried, probably said to him. But even with that, he poked him in the face. He left me. If you, you spit in my face, like Shannon Sharp said, I'm swinging. Like, you would have to give me 20 games, too. Not even 20. I would fuck. I would spit. I I don't know if Ronald did it on purpose. It looked like it was on purpose, but spit, man, Ronald, that was wrong. It was wrong. Chris Paul didn't punch you because he's play, He's head of the player association, so he had to do that aggressive, like, nigga, don't you fuck with me type poke in the face. And then he got hit with it. Then Rondo swung on him with the left hand. And then Chris Paul him with the uppercut. And then, then Brandon Ingram again. What are you doing? What are you doing, Brandon Ingram? What? Like, are you trying to search for attention? You trying to prove that you're tough? 
What are you doing? What are you doing, Brandon? Then comes flying in with a Superman punch, trying to punch little ass Chris Paul. Come on, man. That whole fight was just ridiculous. The funniest part about the fight, I think, if you guys like look, go look at the video, I hope they have video of it. Nipsey Hussle, this nigga is standing up in the corner. He pulls his pants up like he's ready to go. That is the funniest shit I've ever seen. Nipsey Hussle is just wearing a, a Matt Johnson jersey, pulling his pants up like, what's up? What's up? He was more ready to fight than, than James Harden. James Harden was in the back just looking like, like, he was just looking, I'm not part of this. He just looked back at it. He didn't even run. Mitchie Hudson was standing up on the, the sideline, on the baseline, like, yo, what's up? What's up? What's up? <laughs> Mitchie Hudson was ready. Like, Mitchie Hudson looked like that nigga. That nigga was ready to fight. He was going to fight for L.A. He was just going to fight for I bet you he was going to fight for L.A. LeBron, he just saw LeBron walk past and like, yo, what's up? Like, he's pulled up his pants. Like, it was hilarious. It was just hilarious, man. And then... Oh, what else happened? But oh, that was another thing. I think it's another thing. I think is a big deal about that situation. How do after the after Rondo spits in your man's face? How do you, how does LeBron go back to the locker and like sit next to Rondo? How, how does he do it? Like you spit in my man's face. Like, like that's my friend. Like how do I sit next to you and still work with you? And you just spit in my man's face. Like I think that's a like, that's a big like that like that's a big thing to look at. And how would his teammates feel about LeBron like seemingly seeming to like coddle CP3 instead of like trying to check on check on the team, not having the teammates back first, having his friends back. I know Steven Jackson was talking about oh, you have your teammates back first, and you don't have not your friends. LeBron certainly like he had his friends back. I wonder how his team feels about that too. I wonder how it's like the veterans. Like, I'll worry about is Lance Stevenson and Ray John Rondo because Rondo, you know, he has a way to get into the young guys' ears because you saw in Chicago, like he Rondo was the voice of young guys when they would like when they had a little rift between Dwayne Wade and Jimmy Butler, and Rondo was the one speaking up for the young guys against Dwayne Wade and Jimmy Butler. So it was just like. And, LeBron, and Rondo has a lot of beef with the Banana Broke crew. I think he had beef with Carmelo. He has beef with Dwayne Wade. He had beef with um he had beef with LeBron. And he had beef with um he probably had never had beef with LeBron, but he probably did. Those Boston Celtics and um thing series and the Heat or the Cavaliers series, they definitely had beef. But um and also CP3 now. And CP3 beef, like to be honest, I feel like Ray John Rondo is Ray John Rondo is CP3. And CP3 didn't have a jumper and actually had a ring. They they're the same type of player. They're both those point guards that like are like they just are really cerebral with the game. They just know where everyone everyone's gonna be. They just really smart point guards. They're pure point guards. Ray John Rondo is the one of the best I think Ray John Rondo is one of the most underrated point guards. In league history. And it's probably not he's not underrated. It's just the fact that he didn't get a jumper. Because if he had a jumper, he would be CP3. But he would be CP3 that had a ring. Like, that's the only difference. Because when Ray John Rondo gets in the playoffs, like, it's playoff Rondo for a reason. Forget playoff P. It's playoff Rondo for a reason. This nigga Rondo is a beast in the playoffs. Triple When he was with Boston, triple-double machine. Now, the last two years with the Pelicans and the Bulls, pushing both those two teams... 
past what most people thought where they would ever go. Come on, man. Rondo's a beast. What has CP3 done? As my man Skip Bayless would say, he is CP0. He has won nothing. He has done nothing in the playoffs. Like last year was the first time he's actually ever did anything in the playoffs. And then he gets hurt. Every time he's about to do something in the playoffs, he always gets hurt. He's always hurt. And that's probably why another reason why Rondo has a little animosity towards Chris Paul. Because think about it. Like when you talk, talk about the great point guards of this generation, you back when Rondo was doing his thing, like nice with Boston, they were, the first people to talk about was CP3 and Darren Williams. And Ronald probably like, yo, I got a ring before they both did. And then, and I feel like, I feel Rondo on that. And he shows in the playoffs, like, yo, I can do this. You put me on a good team, I guarantee you Rondo feels like if you put me on the teams that Chris Paul has had, Rondo will get those teams to further than Chris Paul did. And I don't know. You, I, I don't know. Rondo, because Rondo's a different type of point guard. Ronald can't score like CP3, but Ronald can. But in the playoffs, Ronald knows just knows what to do. He just knows what to do to get his team to that next level. So you just never know. I don't know who's like. I can't say. Obviously, the consensus is that CP3 is better than Rondo, but and the only reason for that is because Rondo doesn't have a jumper. That's the only reason. There's no other reason why you would say CP3 is better than Rondo. Because Rondo, you could say Rondo's clutch. Rondo's, Rondo is, play off Rondo. Rondo is clutch. He's a clutch player. CP3, we still don't know if he's clutch. He usually, he may not choke, but he get hurt. So it's like a choke hurt. I don't know. He's choke hurt. I don't know what that means, but choke hurt. But staying with Houston... Houston, they're not looking too good so far this year. They, I think they're 1-2 now this year. Uh, you know, CP3 got suspended. You know they all got suspended. Um, I believe Brandon Ingram got four games. CP3 got two. And Rondo got three. Spitting, I don't know. Should have been a little bit more. And I definitely think Ingram deserved more just for being stupid. Like, what is he doing? I don't know why, who he's trying to prove he tough to. He needs to stop. You ain't got to prove it, my bruh. Calm down. Calm down, Brandon. Calm down, Mr. Ingram. Calm down. But, yeah, Houston, they faced. Houston, they won and two this year. Their, first, their defense, I don't know. They got a little better. Defense around the NBA is just ridiculous this year. Like, everyone's scoring in the 100s, 130s, 140s. Like, it's a little ridiculous. They need to start, like, playing some fucking defense. I don't want to see games in the 140s. Like, if they score 140, 130 in regular season, what are they going to score in the All-Star game? 200? And I don't want to see a game that is that, with the score 178 to 160. I don't want to see that shit. Play some fucking basketball. Play hard. Like, come on now. But anyway, Houston's defense is terrible. The for Game one, they look terrible against the Pelicans. But the Pelicans, I'm telling y'all. I said it last week. The Pelicans front court is going to be monsters. You got Anthony Davis. The Brow. MVP candidate. You got Julius Randle coming in off the bench doing his thing. He could be a double-double machine. You got Nikola Mircic. Oh my goodness. I don't know how to say his name. I think it's Nikola Mircic. But you got him shooting threes, making threes. Oh my goodness! You got that duo, and then you have a backcourt with 
Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday is a great defender. I think Drew Holiday last year, you showed what he can do if he had a good play. If you could put him at the two guard, you could play a little off the ball, but still put him at two guard and you have Alpha Payne playing the one. And you got Etoine Moore coming off the bench. They have a lot of pieces coming off the bench. You got Ian Clark. They got a lot of people on the Pelicans. Like, I'm telling you, the West, I said it earlier, but the Western Conference is fucking ridiculous. Oh, my goodness. The Pelicans look dope, though. Pelicans look like they could do something this year. Alfred Payton, he just needs to be serviceable, man. Get to, get this ha- this make sure your assist totals are high and you get you score you you are a threat to score. Don't just sit there and don't ever shoot the basketball, but have a respectable jumper. That front court, I'm telling you, the, the three amigos, man. Those three, that's that's the team right there. That is a team right there. Those three. That's the front court. That's one of the best front courts. Well, it's not the best front courts. I like you got that Boston front court with Bird. But this fourth quarter is nice, yo. One of the best in the league. Mellow. Oh, mellow, mellow, mellow. People, Stephen A. Smith yelling, Mellow doesn't really want to come off the bench. I don't know. But I told Mellow, Mellow, go to Portland. Portland is better for you. I'm telling you. You're just going to have to stand there and watch James Harden dribble, 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 dribble. Stand in the corner, dribble, dribble, dribble. Why'd you stand? Why'd you wave your hand like, bro, bro, no, nigga. I'm dribbling. That's what James Harden says when he looks at you. I'm dribbling. He just looks at you and says, dribbling. You see me dribbling, right? That's what he says to you. Like, you should have went to Portland. You don't even, and then the other thing is you don't even do anything when you're out there. Mellow. Like, it's not that you don't do anything. You just don't, you stand there. You don't, like, cut. You don't do nothing. You just stand there. Like, just go to Portland. Like, I'm pretty sure Nick Stauskas Seth Curry, um, Dame and CJ, they will run off screens. They will do back doors. They'll come, like, they'll do catch and shoots. They, if you get a double in the post, they would definitely do that for you. I'm telling you right now, Melanie's a goal to Portland and just enjoy Portland, man. I'm telling you, just enjoy Portland because I don't, I feel like your his talents are being wasted as just a spot up shooter. And watching James Harden dribble, dribble, dribble. I don't want to see that shit. I don't want to see James Harden dribble anymore. It's so annoying. It's either the three or one of those bum-ass foul calls. I just hate it. James Harden's game is... It's not fun to watch. James Harden's game is like watching paint dry. I don't like it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Speaking of one of James Harden's old teams. OKC. Lord have mercy. What am I going to do with OKC? What am I gonna do with OKC? OKC is doing OKC is zero and three. Um, Russ Westbrook missed the first three games. First two games, he came back last night when he played the Kings. They lost to the Kings. Lord of mercy, oh, losing to the Kings. OKC. I said you guys are gonna make the Western Conference Finals. Come on, OKC. I said you guys will make the Western Conference Finals. You're making me look bad. You're making me look bad, OKC. Westbrook, I need you to step it up, man. I need that defensive end. Like, the defensive end, you guys you guys have the two. Someone said today that it's going to take a team to win in this era right now. It's going to take a team that knows how to guard in this era. OKC has the tools to guard in this era. They have the tools. They have Steven Adams, a seven-footer who's immovable. Like, this nigga is a monster. Steven Adams, defensive, he could be that defensive anchor. 
You have Patrick Patterson, a 3ND power forward. He can guard. He can grab rebounds. Like, come on. Like, you have the pieces, OKC. Like, I don't, I don't want to see this. Russell Westbrook, get defense. He's a step up. I know I said last week that you need to, like, run. I know this. First off, let's put it like this. Last week I said that you need to run off screens. You need to do more off the ball work. I still agree with that. But you also need to do some, something with your defense. I understand you're coming off your injury. You have a bad knee. But your defense needs to be picked up. De'Aaron Fox was giving you that business last night. Give me that business. I understand you don't have your legs under you. That's why you missed a lot of your jump shots on game one. But Westbrook really needs to step up his defense on the defensive end and also off the ball, just moving. If Even if you want to be posted up, just move without the ball. Just let Paul George handle the ball. ball. Nah, Paul George, Paul George, Paul George. Paul George is doing pretty good this year. I won't lie, he's doing pretty good. He needs to get more... Efficient with his shots. I want to see seven for twenty three, seven for twenty nine. Like he needs to get a lot more efficient with his shots. Maybe now that Russell is back, he would get easier shots, so you won't have to worry about that anymore. His efficiency. But Paul George, you're a good defender, and I hope you like get in these guys' heads. Like, yo, we need to defend. You see around the league, no one's defending. We need to defend. Be on the same page. Defend. Dennis Schroeder. Nigga is like another Westbrook. Dennis Schroeder cannot, cannot be taking ill-advised fucking shots. He takes ill-advised shots all the time, just like Westbrook. Both of them. I need to just take things in the flow of the offense. Don't shoot erratic threes for no reason. Dennis Schroeder is a mini Westbrook. I know he said that's his idol, but nigga, calm down. Run offense. Like I want to see some offense run Billy Donovan. Billy Donovan doesn't run any type of offense. He doesn't run any, like, regular-ass plays. Run a pick-and-roll. Run something. Like, damn. There's no plays in that damn offense. Oh, man. Can't be angry. 0-3 start. And I say y'all gonna make the playoffs. Y'all gonna make the playoffs and make the Western Conference Finals. Come on, now. You're making me look bad. Really making me look bad. Also, 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 during K- not during KFC, during OKC's, you see how fat I am. During OKC's um, first game, him and Durant got into a stare down. Well, I didn't think anything of it. But, of course, I was looking at TV. Some people did have a problem with it. I was looking at the Herd again. This is all in the same episode. <laughs> Colin Coward basically said on the Herd this week that he believes that Kevin Durant is winning the divorce between him and Russ. I don't agree with that because Kevin Durant is not really winning it. Like, yes, he has his two rings and he has his two MVP trophies, but, like, he was supposed to do that. Like, you went to the you went to a 73-win team. You're supposed to win two rings and two MVPs. Like, nigga, you're nice. Like, you're the second best player in the world. Of course, you're supposed to go to that team and win. Like, you're winning, be- like, you're winning because you're supposed to win? I don't get that. Like, you're not really winning the situation. Let's be real. Like, Kevin Durant left to find himself so he can, like, learn more about himself and, like, validate himself. Like, Kevin Durant was left for himself. Like, he even said it. Like, he said that, oh, Russ is, like, he's he said he knows himself. He has a wife. He has a kid. Like, he is grounded. He's not still searching for himself. Kevin Durant is still searching for himself. So, like, you're not really winning anything. Like, Russ is good. 
Like, Russ got his MVP trophy. He's getting his triple doubles. He's trying to win the title, like, the right way. Like, he, I bet you Russ feels like, yo, you you took the cheat code way. Like, you did the easy route. Like, I'd rather do it my, I'd rather do it this way, the tough route, instead of, like, taking the, copping out and just, oh, let me get these rings here. Like, oh, let me get that monkey off my back. And then I'll, later on, like, oh, I'll go somewhere else after that. Like, no, do it the hard way first. I like the way that Russ is doing. I like the way that, um, Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum are doing it. They're not, like, just running to the first ring. Like, they're trying to fight with it. They're trying to fight it out. They believe they can do it on the, with the team they have. They're not trying to join up with other stars. I respect it. That's what I respect. But KD was also in the news again because he was kind of insinuating or his brother was insinuating that he was, he was going to be leaving after this season. Um, on Twitter, he posted that he posted one down and 81 more to go. What a night after the winning against OKC. And then his brother then commented on that post. Yes, sir. Filling the hand, the hand up before we get out of here. See? Filling the hand up probably me filling up the hand up with rings. And he said we get out of here. So people are speculating that could be the meaning of they are going to be leaving the Oklahoma City Thunder. Not the Oklahoma City Thunder, the Golden State Warriors. Here, you left the Oklahoma City Thunder. That's why we're here. And talking about this beef between him and Russell Westbrook. That's old. It's old, people. It's old. But in other NBA news, da, 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 in other NBA news, Jamal Crawford was signed with the Suns. Oh, sorry about that. Jamal Crawford signs with the Suns. And I think that's a great move for the Suns. They got another. Veteran piece that can come off the bench and be a little spark. Um, him and Trevor Reza, him and Trevor Reza and Tyson Chandler, I think they could really be key components of this team because they're good leaders. We could still probably play. Maybe Tyson Chandler's on his last legs, but the other two, I think they could still play and still be key contributors that can still like can they join the locker room because they got the young pieces. They got the young pieces with Devin Booker. DeAndre Ayton, um, Josh Jackson, Mikael Bridges, and TJ Warren, they have the pieces. So they just need to bring it all together. And the Suns will be fine. They've got to be competitive. You just want to see that fight and that competitiveness in them. They also played Dallas in the home opener. I think Dallas, Dallas, their problem is they need that that alpha dog on Dallas. They need that person that's going to take control and be that, be the guy. Like Dirk was a guy. They need the guy. Hopefully it'll be either, um, if hopefully Duke Doncic and, or Dennis Smith could do it while Harrison Barnes out. But I don't see it in Luka Doncic. I think, I believe Dennis Smith would be great in that role. I think he, he has an alpha type of personality to him. Like someone that can carry the team, but I think he's not, he's not, I want to say he's too small, but to be to have an impact on the game, I think he has a athleticism. But I don't know if he's gonna be. He has a stature to take on that. Like the this is my team. Like I'm I'm a leader. So I don't know. And I don't know if he has. I don't know. He has that type of personality to me, but I don't know if he has the capability of doing it fully. But they have good complementary pieces with DeAndre Jordan. I told you, Luka Doncic. He, he could be a good complementary piece, and Wesley Matthews. Harrison Barnes, he's nothing. Harrison Barnes, I don't know about him, yo. I don't know if he could step up. Me, Harrison Barnes, a complimentary piece. 
He's a good third or second option. He can never be a first option. He's not an alpha. He's a beta. He's a B. Miles Turner this year also got and this this year. Miles Turner Miles Turner this week also got an extension from the Indiana Pacers, which I think is good for Indiana. Hope Miles Turner could like take the next step, like I said last week. He just needs to take the next step in his development and become what they what everyone thinks he can be. He ain't no reason why. he can shoot the three. I think he can handle the ball. He can play down low. Ain't no reason he can't be uh I don't know. He's athletic enough. Uh, I don't want to say DeMarcus Cousins of the East. Hopefully he could be like a DeMarcus Cousins of the East with that new contract or develop into that. Like it needed to step up. But moving on. So I have basketball. Moving on to baseball. I was completely wrong. I'll admit that. I was wrong about the ALCS. I was wrong. I was wrong. I was wrong. I was right about the NLCS, but I was wrong about the ALCS. Boston beat the Houston Astros in five games. Impressive, impressive, Boston. I told you, Boston, you better get your ring now. Next year is New York's year. It's going to be a New York state of mind next year. You better get your ring now, Boston. But Boston, they beat the, like I said, they beat the Astros in five games. This is a little controversy in game four. Altilay's home run with uh, Mookie Betts jumping over and the fan interfering. Hey, shit, like the fans got to stop. The fans need to kill that guy just like they killed Bartman, by the way. Just like they killed Bartman, they have to kill that guy that got in the way and caused that home run to be in out. I want to see it. I want to see it. And David Price, he finally showed up, man. He finally showed up. He finally showed up in the playoffs. He finally won a game in the playoffs. He didn't stink up, stick up the joint. He played well. Kudos to you, David. And then the NLCS, the Brewers. I was right about this one. Check, check. I was right about this one. The Brewers fall to the Dodgers in seven. I was right about that too. Seven games. He fell to the Dodgers in seven. Walker Buehler in game seven, he gives up a home run to Yelich to start the game off. And then he shuts down the Brewers from then on. He had he pitched four and two-third innings. Puig hit a big three-run shot to give him a lead at the Cody Bellinger. hit a two-run home run in the earlier innings. Puig hit the big three-run home run to give him a 4-1 lead to seal the deal. Seal the deal, send him to the playoffs. I'm proud of Puig. He went three for four. Good job by him. He was talking about that jazz, saying his team's going to make it back to the playoffs, to the World Series. I'm glad he showed out and he actually contributed to that. I'm proud of him. Um, Machado, I'm telling you, I met him Machado. I can't wait to have him on my team, man. I can't wait to have him on my Yankees. I can't wait to have him on my Yankees. I'm probably wrong about this, but I can't wait to have him. It's, yo, first of all, tonight I heard of an interview. He said he can't wait to have Flan after he wins the World Series. That is so Spanish of him. I can't wait to have Flan. Come on now. <laughs> uh, I never like Flan. Ugh. But Manny Machado, he bunted for the two-run home run. He was Manny Machado was the base runner that I was on. He bunted, and he ran hard to first to get the bunt single. So I know there's a lot of controversy this week about Manny Machado and the dirty stuff he did in game four of the NLCS. And he was trying to run out the ball. And he stepped on the Brewers, Brewers first baseman's, or he kicked the Brewers first baseman's ankle, and then 
same Kristen Yelich that hit the home run on Walker Bueller. He went out on a limb. He said that it was a dirty play. It was a dirty play by a dirty player in regards to the kicking incident by Manny Machado in game four. And Craig Council, the manager, was asked about it as well. He said, I don't think he is playing hard at all. <laughs> he said, I don't play. He's playing that hard at all. That's crazy. The pettiness of these baseball people. <laughs> but Manny Machado also said, has some things to say. Manny Machado didn't, I didn't really think it was a dirty play. It was kind of a dirty play. He, should, he didn't have to kick the guy's ankle. But he was still in the news because of his hustle. We were talking about since Craig Council wanted to talk about playing hard. People have questioned Manny's hustle because he was not running out running out ground outs during games. And this is what he had to say about it. There's no excuse for it. Honestly, I've been never given excuses for not running. I'm not hurt. There's no excuse. But I've been the same player. I've been doing this for eight years. I'm the show for I'm in the show for eight years. I've done the same thing for eight years. I've been the same player. Obviously, I'm not going to change. I'm not the type of player that's going to be Johnny Hustle and run down the line and slide to first base and, you know, whatever can happen. That's just not my personality. That's not my cup of tea. That's not who I am. He continues. Should I have given a little more effort? 100%. It's my fault, like always. I mean, that's just my mentality when I'm in the game. There are things that you learn, things that you got to change. I've tried changing it for eight years, and I still can't figure it out. But one of these days, I will. No, this nigga won't. Negro, please. That nigga will not figure this shit out. I don't know who he trying to fool, but I know this nigga ain't figuring shit out. (laughs) Negro, please. Terry, please say it. Negro, please. Negro, please. I'm telling y'all, he's not going to figure it out. But I don't mind it. He plays 161 games. I don't mind him not running down to first hard. I don't care. You play 161 games and you show up in the playoffs. Everyone that's been on base for the Dodgers this year has been, in the playoffs has been Manny Machado. Manny Machado hits the ball. He gets on base. He contributes to wins. I want him on my team. I don't care what anyone else says. I don't care if he don't hustle. Does he win baseball games? Yes. And by the way, since the World Series starts tomorrow night on Fox, I'll get my World Series prediction. I think L.A. Dodgers are going to win in seven. I just think, uh, I just don't want Boston to win. I don't like Boston. I don't give a fuck. I hate Boston teams. Fucking Boston teams run every fucking sport, yo. Every sport, Boston fucking runs the sport. Fucking baseball, fucking football, and now bas- and basketball. Next thing you know, it's going to be hockey. I'm sick of Boston. I'm sick of them. Moving on to football, though. Football. Let's check my fantasy. I know I'm on. I know I won my fantasy league. I'm very proud of that. Very, very proud of my fantasy league. Cam Newton stepped up. Cam Newton had a big game. Big, big game. Team was down 17 points in the fourth quarter. He came out. Fourth quarter. Had a game, had a game to remember in that fourth quarter. I, I appreciate Cam Newton his performance he put on. Ty Gurley still doing Ty Gurley shit. Twenty six points in my fantasy league and balling this year. Phil Lindsay did a great job. John Brown, Tyler Boyd disappointed me. Yo, I'm gonna get to the Bengals too. Tyler Boyd disappointed me. Travis Kelsey, I'm gonna talk about the Chiefs. 
that's it. And we're going to talk about the Arizona Cardinals, too. We got some news about the Arizona Cardinals. The Jets. Oh, Lord, I'm mercy. My Jets lost again. We lost to the Vikings. I'm telling you, Adam Thielen, he's going to be Jordy Nelson 2.0. I'm telling you now. I know I should have just categorized him as a white receiver, but, yo, those are only two white receivers doing it. What I've or I've seen do it. Um, Pause. Sam Donald, he has another shaky game, man. I'm sick of Sam Donald. He's playing. He's always, he's not taking care of the ball, man. He's just, he, he's just not taking care of the ball. And people are trying to convince me that he's he like don't worry he's he's got so much potential like I hope so man I want to see this goddamn potential like I don't know about him man I really don't know but the Jets we also released our wide receiver Terrell Pryor they said he they might get him back um, at the heels up from his groin injury but we shall see about that I just want my Jets to win we're three and four now. I know we're not going nowhere, but I just want to see Sam Darnold improve. Like, I want to see him stop throwing interceptions. Like, someone needs to get his ear about that. Stop turning the fucking football over. Especially since the defense is doing a great job of turning the ball over. Like, you're getting extra possessions. You're not doing shit with it because you keep turning it over. So, moving on to the other team from New York that disappoints people. Oh, man. Monday Night Football was ridiculous. Um, Where do I start? Like I said. Eli sucks. Um, Eli sucks. Eli sucks. Eli sucks. Can someone please explain to me how are you standing on like the one, not even the one yard line? Like, how are you standing on the half yard line and you can't quarterback sneak it in two times? This nigga Eli sucks. Like, I don't know if it's him or the offensive line. Them niggas got no push. This nigga got stuffed. On the half yard line. Who gets stuffed on the half yard line twice? Twice. Eli sucks. Y'all need to stop this madness. You keep putting yourself through this madness. He sucks. He sucks. You keep wondering why, why do my Giants suck? Your quarterback sucks. Don't get me wrong. Your running game sucks too. But the quarterback sucks more or sucks just as much. People don't understand it. The quarterback sucks just as much. It's not a singular thing. It's the quarterback too, people. It's the quarterback. Lord have mercy. Lord, Lord, Lord. And then Odell, I'm sorry, Odell. You got to make that catch. Your coach thinks so too. I like Pat Sherman. He said, yo, you should, like, I, I, yo, I went for two. I went for two because, like, it would increase our chances of winning. We'd have to go to overtime. We scored. We sc- if we converted that two-point conversion, then we go down and score. All we need is a field goal the next time, and we win. Bada bing, bada boom. And then he basically said, I'm not, I don't regret it. If we would have executed it, don't, he said Odell. He basically calling out Odell. Like, Odell, you're supposed to step up and make that catch. You shouldn't have dropped that ball. But you would have caught that ball. We're talking a different story. You should have won the game. You, get, you have no one else to blame but you. Like, the Giants have nothing else to blame but themselves. I don't believe it's coaching. It's all about the players and their execution. They're not executing. Like, Odell, he was, he was they showed the clip of him. He said he was playing around. Like, he did too much at the top of the route, and he couldn't get break to the corner on that play where Eli, like, threw it to the pylon, and Odell barely missed it. He, they said he was doing too much on that play. He dropped that one pass, the two-point conversion. Like, he wasn't. 
Like Odell's been making a lot of mistakes. He's been helping the team, but he's been making mistakes as well that have been holding them back. Like the week before against the Panthers, when he touched the touched the um, uh, ball on the punt return, like he's doing little things that hurt the team as well. People that, like he has to shore those things up too. But Eli sucks, yo. They can't get it in from the one the half yard line. It's not even the one. Like people have to say the one half yard line. It's ridiculous. How do you do two quarterback sneaks and can't get it in? Is that even possible? How do you do two quarterback sneaks and can't get it in? Oh, man. It's, it's, just, it's just terrible. Even Pat Shermer said it, too. He said, yo, two quarterback sneaks, you got to get it in. Half yard line. It's ridiculous. They're not executing. And that's how I know it's not the coaching. It's the players. They're not executing like they're supposed to be. And I support Pat Shermer now. Because I've been seeing it for the past couple weeks. Odell and Eli, they're hurting the team. Both of them are. But on the other side, let's talk about Atlanta real quick. Atlanta, Atlanta, Atlanta. They played a good game. Um, Matt Ryan hit 18 straight passes. That was ridiculous. Um, he had a good game. But a stat that I heard after the game, Julio Jones has scored a touchdown in 12 straight games. And Julio Jones got asked a question like, why don't you score? And he basically said, I don't care about scoring, man. Like, I do it for my teammates. Whenever I'm in the red zone... I only I have six eyes, four eyes on me. As long as my teammates eat, I'm good. As long as we have a win, I'm good at the end of the day. Thank you. I, I let's let's I, we should get a round of applause. I need a round of applause. Everybody, round of applause. That was a good speech by Julio Jones. And you know what I learned after the Julio Jones said that? I learned how I will never, ever, 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 ever pick this nigga in fantasy. This nigga said he don't care about scoring. I don't want this nigga in fantasy. If you're a non-PPR, I am not getting this nigga on my fantasy team. Why would you want him? He don't care about scoring. He said it. I don't care about scoring. I do it. I'm providing opportunities for my teammates. That As long as we get a win, that's all that matters. I'm just saying I know fantasy is just fantasy. But I'm just saying. I would never get this nigga on my fantasy team. That's the same. When I, you know, I saw his name when I was about to pick. I was like, this nigga don't score touchdowns. And he said nine PP. My man said nine PPR. I was like, no, nope, nope, nine PPR, nope. I don't want no Julio Jones on my team. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was just a good stat. I just noticed about Julio Jones, and I think it's fucking crazy that this nigga has not scored a touchdown in 12 straight games. It's ridiculous, man. It's ridiculous. And oh, back to the Giants. John Mara, he had some comments about Eli and also Adele this week, um, this past week with the NFL meeting, owners meetings on Tuesday. Basically, he said about Eli. When you are one in five, it generally means that everybody needs to play better. He's not alone. A lot of guys just need to do their jobs. We still believe in him. Everybody needs to do their jobs for us to be successful. And right now, that's not happening. True. I agree with him now. But Eli, man, it still sucks. Odell Beckham Jr. needs to do his job, like I mentioned before. And also, Eli needs to do his job. The offense line needs to do their job. The defense needs to do their job. But the Giants, at the end of the game, they're moving the ball. I don't know if it's because teams are like playing prevent defense and they don't really care the Giants are moving the ball at the end of the game. 
but they move the ball at the end of the game, so I don't get why they can't do that throughout the whole game. Like, I don't get it. But anyway, John Mara has some comments on Odell Beckham Jr. I wish he would create the headlines by his play on the field as opposed to what he says and what he does off the field. I think he needs to do a little more playing and a little less talking. Oh, man. Now, I kind of, after tonight's game, when I first heard these comments on Tuesday, I was like, this nigga, the audacity of this nigga. The audacity. How is Odell supposed to create headlines when this, with his player on the field, when he has a quarterback whose name is Eli Manning? The audacity of this nigga. The Giants are really bold. And I still do think the Giants are really bold because they try to sell us a bill of goods. They knew Eli has been done since 2013. They know that Odell Beckham Jr. is the only reason why his numbers are even looking decent. They knew that. They knew it. They just felt bad because, oh, we ended your little Iron Man streak. We're so sorry. And Giants fans are even saying, like, oh, like, John Mara probably just wants to, like, make it up to Eli. This is their makeup season to Eli. They want to show him that they still believe in one last time before they move on. But even if last year you didn't believe in Eli, right? So why wouldn't you bring in a backup quarterback even if you knew this year you were going to still go with Eli and still stand behind Eli, you still could have went out and got a backup who can who can be serviceable and can actually lead the team and who can step in just in case Eli doesn't have it anymore. Even though we've known Eli hasn't had it since 2013. Like I don't know why they're holding on to this man. Why do we hold on to Eli Manning like he's a god? He's not even that good. He's not. He's not. He's not. He's not even the best quarterback in his QB class. Phillip Rivers is better than him. Matt Ryan is better than him. Come on, man. Ben Roethlisberger is better than him. Come on. God, I know Matt Ryan was in the same draft class. I'm just naming quarterbacks that are better than him. He's playing quarterback that's better than him right now. He's on, he's on the bottom with Blake Bortles and them niggas and CJ Bathard. He's with them quarterbacks right now. He's not with the elites at all. I'm sick of Eli Manning. Like his white, oh my, I don't want to keep saying white privilege, but it is. It really is. Oh, man. Anyway, going back to Cam. I, I know I mentioned Cam when I was talking about my fantasy results. Cam is my fantasy quarterback, him and Phillip Rivers. But Cam Newton led the team back. I mentioned it before. But during that game, um, Malcolm Jenkins and Eric Reed got into a fight or got into a little like, back and forth. Eric Reed went on, came onto the playing field and confronted Malcolm Jenkins. And they got into it before the coin toss or during the coin toss. And after the game, um, Eric Reed made sta- statements about what the altercation was about. And basically, this is what he said. We believe a lot of players should have stepped up for Colin. I believe Malcolm capitalized on the situation. Eric Reed said. He continued to say he co-opted the movement that was started by Colin to get his organization funded. It was cowardly. He sold us out. I don't know the inner workings of this. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to try to say oh, I'm an expert in this field. But from the little bit I do know, the beef between 
Eric Reed and Michael Jenkins goes like this, basically. Eric Reed started was part of the Players Coalition. The Players Coalition is basically a response to Donald Trump's assertions that players were sons of bitches, and they created that so they can have a dialogue with the owners to come to, come to a solution to end the protest, basically. A part of the coalition was also Malcolm Jenkins. Malcolm Jenkins and Eric Reed clashed because Eric Reed had a different stance on where the players should go with the coalition and what they were fighting for. Eric Reed was on the one hand, he wanted one of the stipulations to be that Colin Kaepernick is to be reinstated to the league or has the opportunity to come back into the league and join the team. The players were saying, hey, Michael Jenkins' side of it was, well, they're willing to talk with us, but obviously they're not willing to talk with us with Colin in the room. They're not going to do that. So let's just push forward because the agenda is the social justice and bringing light to these situations and have funding. That's where they broke off because, like, you... Malcolm, you can't tell us what the movement is. I would feel the same way. You can't tell me what the movement is. Like, this is Colin's movement. And you can't negotiate with the NFL calling for social justice reform and calling for a UNC with the players, but you're still blackballing Colin Kaepernick and saying he can't play in the league. It just doesn't make any sense. So what did you actually do? Eric Reed feels like Malcolm Jenkins sold out. He took the easy route. He said, oh, like, forget Colin. Can we just get the money and we'll use it to fund social justice and social and awareness for racism and underprivileged youth in minority areas, social justice reform, police brutality, and the different organizations that affect affect black communities, basically. He took the money and decided not to kneel anymore for the National Anthem. So Eric Reed naturally feels like, hey, like this wasn't even your movement. So you got money from it. You profited off of it. You're still in the league. And your organization's getting funded. And Colin Kaepernick is over here with no job. No, no, not being funded. His organization, I know my rights camp is not being funded. I don't know. Maybe it is being funded by the NFL. But not to my knowledge. And Colin Kaepernick still doesn't have a job. So I understand why Eric Reed has a problem because he feels like this was Colin Kaepernick's movement, but somehow Malcolm Jenkins seems to be profiting and getting reaping the benefits off of it, but Colin isn't. It's deep. I'm not gonna get too deep into it. But I feel like it is a deep situation that needed to be talked about. Now moving on to someone else in the Eagles division, the Dallas Cowboys. They missed the last second field goal against the Redskins. Dallas was um Dallas played terrible. They actually the defense played good. Dak was good in spots. The fourth third quarter, the offense only got four yards in that cold quarter. It was fucking ridiculous. Adrian Peterson, he was playing, he was looking like Zeke. He was like the old AP. Zeke looked terrible. Maybe it was because of the it was so many men in the box. But he didn't play very well. Adrian Peterson showed up though. He stepped up. Um, I don't think that Prescott. That Prescott says he eats soup while he be practicing. I don't think he needs to do that anymore. I don't know if you guys see that commercial, his new Campbell soup commercial. 
where he's remoting the fact that he eats soup while he practices. No more soup for you. But things could be looking up for Dallas now going forward because now they just got a receiver. And I think, to be honest, I know a lot of people are going to be like, oh, that's sacrilegious. But Michael Irvin wasn't like his numbers weren't like, oh, my God. He wasn't like a superstar like, oh, Michael Irvin was a top five receiver. No, Michael Irvin was a he was the playmaker. He was a possessing receiver. I think the move that Dallas made today makes them a better team because I think Omari Cooper could be that type of possession receiver, that guy that can just move the chains for them if they need a big play. That's what the playmaker was. Like he was just a like he just made plays for the team. Wasn't anything special. I think they had the nucleus again for that. They gave up a lot. They gave up a first round pick for Amari Cooper from Oakland. But I feel like they have a nice little nucleus. They have the, they, they basically have what they had in the nineties. They got Emmett with Zeke. They got um hopefully they have um Troy Aikman and Dak. And then you could, I think Amari Cooper Amari Cooper, he could be your playmate. He could be your Michael Irvin. And then the other the other pieces just fit around that. Like I think that little dynamic between Dak and Amari Cooper is gonna be big. I'm telling you, I think he could be Dak's playmaker. He's gonna be Dak's Michael Irvin. Mark Cooper's gonna be that good for the Oakland from Dallas. Now Oakland, I see, I've been I've been peeped what um I've been peeped what um what's name is trying to do. It's quite obvious. Um, he's trying to blow up that team. That's just plain and simple. He's blowing up that team. He's getting rid of everybody. He doesn't care about anyone. He's just gathering up them first round picks, and he's gonna go get himself a brand new team. And Derek Carr's nets. He's not staying around. I think, in my opinion, two teams need to be looking for Derek Carr. Two teams: the New York Giants and the Jacksonville Jaguars. If I'm those two teams, I'm trying to get Derek Carr. Derek Carr can. Be he could be that athletic quarterback that the Giants need with a big arm with Odell Beckham Jr. and Saquon Barkley. Derek Carr could be a problem, and Derek Carr in Jacksonville with that defense, and then he has a running game with Leonard Fournette, T.J. Yeldon. If they get back healthy, you got decent receivers. I'm telling you, those two teams need to look into Derek Carr because Derek Carr is getting traded or this offseason or sometime this year because. John Gruden's cleaning house. He's getting rid of everybody. Every one of the good players he's getting rid of. He's cleaning house is kind of obvious. He don't want that team no more. He don't want that team looking like nothing. He wants that team to lose. I'm telling another thing. I think he's really waiting for to get that guy Tua, or he's trying to get the guy um, Kyler Murray. Those two quarterbacks. I think those what he's looking at. That's what he's looking at. Those two quarterbacks. Because he didn't really like Derek Carr. Have you ever looked at the Gruden camp? He didn't really like Derek Carr when he was doing the Gruden camp. I feel like he didn't like him. So It's really up to John, man. John Gruden is not really playing hard. John Gruden is not like trying right now. Like He's clearly trying to tank. He's clearly trying to play for the future. He got 10 years to, he got 10 years to play with. He's trying to do some different stuff. All right. Moving on to Sunday Sunday, Sunday night football. Oh, man. The Bengals. Oh, my God. The Bengals suck, yo. The Bengals just suck. Like, I don't get the Bengals. Like, I really don't. Like, they choke. Andy Dalton is a choker. Like, he's a choker. Like, you can't win with him. 
You don't have to give it to Andy Dalton because you just can't win with this nigga. It's either Andy Dalton or the coach. It's one of the two. Someone is not clicking. Because there's no reason why this team needs to be sucking like this on prime time stages. You can't be 0-7 or 0-8 in prime time. Like, what the hell? And speaking of prime time, can we pick it? Like, Kansas City is on prime time every week. Every game this year, I feel like it was on, like, Saturday night football. I mean, Sunday night football, Thursday night, or, or Monday. Like, every single game with Kansas City, I feel like I've seen. Like, seen them. Like, seen the whole game. I'm sick of seeing them. <laughs> I'm sick of seeing them. I get it. Kansas City's nice. They're good. I'm sick of seeing them. You know who's nice, though? And I think he is becoming the second best back in the game behind Todd Gurley. My man Kareem Hunt, you know. Kareem Hunt is a monster. Him and what's his name are just, like, it's too much speed on that team. Kareem Hunt and um, homeboy. Oh, man, what's homeboy's name? Tyreek Hill. I'm not going to talk about Tyreek today, but Tyreek Hill, he's a beast. But today is all about Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt. I think the second best back in the game. He's better than Zeke right now. He's better than Le'Veon. Zeke, Le'Veon, it used to be LeSean McCoy. But now it's only it's Zeke and Le'Veon, then Todd Gurley. Those are the top three bats in the league. And then Alvin Kamara. But I think it's I think it's Todd Gurley, Kamara. No, Todd Gurley, Kareem Hunt. Le'Veon hasn't even played. Zeke hasn't looked that nice. I would say Kamara. Zeke Le'Veon. I just like how Cream Hunt is playing this year. It's balling out. And they, yo, I'm telling you, they're trying to make practice. Like, I feel like Kansas City's on prime time so much because they try to make Patrick Mahomes into that Nets star. Like, that Nets, the face of the NFL. And I wonder how Brady feels about that. Like, I really do. I wonder how he feels about how they're trying to push. Um, Patrick Mahomes. I know I said last week that Brady was wearing his little Fonzie leather coat, but I feel like he wore that now for a reason. Like, yo, I'm still like king of the NFL. To say like, yo, I'm still king of the NFL, even though they're showing this kid every week on prime time. Like, I'm still the I'm still the guy. Don't forget, like I beat him. I feel like Brady's kind of I feel like Brady's kind of angry about it. That's what reason why he wore that jacket like that, and he was like talking like tough guy talk like oh yeah we didn't even punt i feel like he's talking like that because he's kind of threatened by it he feels he's a he's a little petty a little bitter towards the fact that they show patrick mahomes more attention than they did him like nfl wise promoting wise like they're kind of the same quarterback if you really think about it like patrick mahomes is a pretty boy quarterback he's he's light-skinned he got curly hair like Pretty boy quarterback. Tom Brady's always been that pretty boy quarterback. Yo, I swear to God, if Patrick Mahomes get a bang, like a fly-ass chick, oh my goodness. Like, imagine Patrick Mahomes dating um, Rihanna. You think niggas would say Giselle Bunchin is beautiful? Hell no. They'd be like, yo, this nigga's dating Rihanna. Patrick Mahomes get a bad girl on his side. Oh my goodness. He's already on a different level than... um. Um, Tom Brady. He got a bad chick that everyone wants. I've never seen. I never wanted Giselle, but that's just me. Um, Patrick Mahomes. He got the looks. He got the game. If he had he looks with the game, and then he got the girl. 
That's that's the reason why people don't like Tom Brady. And then if he wins, oh my goodness. Like the NFL is gonna make have a gold mine with this kid. The advertisers they're gonna be able to sell. He's gonna be on Monday Night Football damn near every other week. It's gonna be everyone versus the the um the Chiefs. Like that's every game of the week. Whatever game whatever team the Chiefs are playing. <laughs> but anyway, in other football news. Uh, Brock Osweiler, he had another good game for the um, Dolphins. He had 200-plus yards, two TDs. And, you know, Adam Gase, he got a little attitude earlier this week um, because he was being asked about Ryan Tannehill's injury. He was like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, why are you asking me? Go ask him, basically, type of response. Very defensive type of response. Aggressive. But, you know, I'm telling you, it's going to be a QB controversy in Miami. I said it. I said it. It's gonna be a QB controversy in Miami. I'm telling you, like you could tell, Adam Gates is obviously vibing with Brock Osweiler better than he did with Ryan Tannehill. Like, and he's gonna go with the person that gives him the best chance to win. And Brock Osweiler keeps doing his job. He's gonna give him the best chance to win. And also, Patrick Peterson, he wants out of um, Arizona. I I would too. I went out of Arizona, too. That's why I got rid of fucking Larry Fitzgerald. Larry Fitzgerald was on my fantasy team. I got rid of his ass with the quickness. Arizona sucks, yo. I don't know if y'all saw that game against Denver on Thursday night. It was the worst game I've ever seen in my life. The worst. Like, it was like... like I, would, I would be so mad if I paid money to go see the Arizona Cardinals play in person. Like, football is already boring in person to watch. Like, football is not the same... As it is on TV in person, like if I had to sit there and watch that terrible ass game, I would really demand a refund. Like that game was fucking terrible. I went out too, and some sources said that he might want to go to um, um, the Saints. We know he's from LSU. He went to school in LSU, so you know that Louisiana connection. I wouldn't mind seeing him on the Saints. I think he'll be a great asset to them to help shore up that defense, especially on the back end. Especially in that division with Julio Jones, there's a lot of rece- they they gonna need cornerbacks because there's a lot of high power offenses. You got the Rams, you got the Eagles, a lot of teams with good receivers. Like you're gonna need a good like a, you're gonna need a receiver. To, um, you're gonna need a cornerback to slow down these good receivers that's in the league right now. So I think that was a good move. I think it'd be a good idea for Patrick Peterson to go to the New Orleans. Saints. I think it'll be a good idea. And in college football, some stuff happened in college football. Number five, Michigan. They beat Michigan State twenty-one to seven. And I want to know when people are gonna start putting some respect, putting some respect on um Jim Harbaugh's name. People been saying Jim Harbaugh has been a disappointment out there in um Ann Arbor. No, he hasn't. And Jim Harbaugh, he's still a good, damn good ass coach. I know Colin Kaepernick, what he was doing in the league, he was still, he was still be have a job probably. <sighs> Number one, Alabama, they destroying niggas again. Fifty eight twenty one, they beat Tennessee. Niggas like Alabama's fucking ridiculous, yo. You had the best defense lead, then you get this fucking video game quarterback. It's not even fair. It's really not. I'm telling, and I told you already, John Gruden, he's waiting for Tua. If he, he's probably waiting on Tua or waiting on Kyle Murray. Telling you, one of the two. Oklahoma beats TCU 52 to 27, my G. Colin Murray was 19 to 24, four touchdowns. Another nigga, this nigga's waiting on. Colin Murray, 
and Tua. Tua Tonga Loyola. I don't know how to say that shit. Tua Tonga Loyola. And then Ohio State, they got blown the fuck out by Purdue, 49 to 20. Ohio State, they were number two when that game happened on Saturday. Now they're number 11 in the league, in the um, country. I don't even know. I don't think they're going to make it back into the college football playoffs. I just see the full standards, but I don't think they're going to make it back to the college football playoffs. That was a big loss. A terrible loss, to be honest. <clears throat> terrible. Terrible. Charles Barkley, terrible. Oh, that's all I got for sports. Let's go on to some other topics, some news that happened throughout the week. This week, we found out that Charlamagne the God pulled out of a mental health times talk interview with Kanye West. Um, Charlamagne had to say this. Normalizing being mentally healthy is a conversation that I really wanted to have with Kanye because he's been so vocal about his own mental health struggles. Unfortunately, I think to have that conversation with him right now would not be productive and a total distraction from the point of the convo which is to eradicate the stigma of mental health, especially in the black community. I think this is a great, I think the initiative that Charlamagne's taking is a great stance. I was actually wanting to do this in my class. I have a class called Public Communications. It's a class I got a 92 in my midterm. Um, public Communications, where we have to pick our own um, like issue that we want to tackle and make up our own campaign for. This is what Zach I wanted to do. I wanted to do mental health in the black community because I feel like a lot of black men, like, I know including myself, like, I heard a lot of people, black people say this too, like, oh, I don't need, like, I don't need to go see no therapist, I ain't crazy, some stuff like that, or like, I don't want to see, that's, I don't want to see a therapist, that's what, that's what white people shit, like, it's not true, and I feel like a lot of people got, like, a misconception about it, I feel like it could help a lot of people in communities, especially a lot of minority communities that don't know that they have an issue going on, so, I feel like, Going to therapy or being open to going to therapy is very important. I wanted to do that topic in my class. I felt that topic would be better about mental health in the black community. But we'll see. Maybe next year I'll do something different. Or if I ever get like an accountant, like a PR job, I'll do that. But anyway. But anyway, 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 anyway. Back to Charlemagne. I think he did a great job with this. I don't know if you guys heard. This nigga Kanye West wants to build fucking Jurassic Park in Uganda. I don't want to hear Kanye West and Charlamagne say that to each other. I respect Charlamagne way too much to see him sitting next to Kanye West again. This nigga said he wants to build Jurassic Park in Uganda. With what dinosaurs? That's the first question I want to ask him. What, with what dinosaur is he going to make fucking Jurassic Park? And then he also said he wants to make it into Wakanda. Oh my he wants to make Uganda into Wakanda. This nigga believes the movie. Uh, my goodness. Like, I told y'all, I told y'all that this, that Kanye West is that dusty nigga that they always, the newspaper, news outlets always find and always want to talk to. And then you look, you look at them and say like, why? Could they not find someone else better looking? He's that guy. I told you this. I'm, I'm done with him. I'm done with him. I'm done with him. Hold up, I'm not done with him yet because another something else happened this week. Pusha T, he was on the Joe Budden podcast. It was must listen. I had to listen to that shit. Um, basically, Pusha T went on there. He said that um, Drake's producer, 40, he's the one that gave Pusha T the information about um, 
Drake. Not directly. It was indirectly because 40 was talking to some girl. The girl told Pusha T the information, and that's how Pusha T got it. I don't know. I don't know who who. I don't know who to believe. Like, I don't know. I don't really care. All I know is it's just hilarious, man. If he really got the information from um, 40, it is fucking hilarious. It is really hilarious, man. And then... Pusher also on the, on the podcast, he revealed that he's not too happy about um, Kanye and Drake's relationship. He feels that they are fake friends with each other. And I think so, too. I think they play those little games. Kanye must play his games, like, get close to Drake to figure out what he's doing. But, like, Drake should know that. And Drake even said during that stupid shop interview, he was like, oh, um, I didn't, like, 40... He called me and he told me that it was little fishy over there, but I still went and I still played him the album. And that's what Joe Budden pointed out. He was like, oh, you went over there. You pointed out that even though your friend told you that it was weird, you still went over there and, and did all that stuff. Drake, you did a terrible job. You did a terrible job because you should have not trusted Kanye West. Like, why would you trust somebody that you're in competition with, that you're fake friends with, that you always have a little, uh, like, I don't really trust that nigga type vibe from why would you divulge all the information, play him your song, tell him when your album's coming out, work with him? Why would you do anything like that if you really don't trust this nigga? And Pusha T was like, yo, I don't like the fact that you're fake friends with him and you'd still mess with him. Like, I'm I'm all about good music. Why isn't everyone else all about good music? Why are we still working with um, Drake if he's talking shit about people from good music? That's how Pusha T feels. I feel the same way. Why are they still friends? But one thing I want to say about Kanye... And I feel like it's gone a little bit too far. Snoop Dogg is going way too far. Um, joking around that Drake slept with um, Kanye's wife, Kim Kardashian, and insinuating that Kiki. I know everyone's been saying that Kiki is um, Kim Kardashian, but Snoop Dogg like, kind of was like, oh, yeah, I just found out that Kiki's your girl. Like, Snoop, you're too old to be doing that shit. Like, calm down. Like, you don't need to do all that to him. Like, at the end of the day, that's still his wife. If someone was talking about your wife like that, Snoop, you'd be pissed off. So don't disrespect Kanye West like that and talk about his wife like that. Like, have some type of respect. You don't go to wife's and go start talking disrespectful about that shit. Oh, that was rude. That was just rude to me, Snoop. You're better than that. And I expect better than that from you. But moving on to some light, lighthearted shit. People are saying that they went to Burger King and they ordered their new black cherry slushy whatever the fuck that shit is and it turned their poop black what the fuck and i looked on i looked at lines that bird king that um that's in yonkers near the cross county mall that shit was that bird king was packed that drive-through was packed it was, the parking lot was packed like why the fuck would you eat somewhere where the food there is turning your shit poop black like does that make sense? I'm not eating there ever again. Ever. They go they do got that lit deal with the two for six or that two for ten. We get two meals for ten dollars, you get two sandwiches for six dollars. Shit is lit. I'm not gonna lie to you. I be getting two crisp um spicy crispy chickens or one spicy crispy chicken. One spicy crispy chicken. Or I get the regular crispy chicken. Either one, I'm fine. That shit tastes amazing. Um yeah, even though I try not to eat Burger King no more, but especially now after that, hearing that they turn your poop black, your slushies, imagine what their food would do to you. I'm good. 
I don't know why I went to that. I and mean, now I'm about to go to this serious ass topic. But I don't know if you heard about this Uber driver. The Uber driver that's facing charges after investigators say he kidnapped and terrorized, terrorized and assaulted a passenger before Dumbier on the side of a highway. Hell no. Hell no. I don't know how y'all do Ubers, man. To be honest, I really don't understand. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read the rest of the story, but like, I don't know how y'all do. I'm not gonna do Ubers anymore. Like, you don't know whose car you get into. They could lock that door. They can have the childproof locks on in the back. Your ass is trapped. I'm good. I know we got the location because you're going you're in your car, but at the same time, no, nah, I'm good. I'm Gucci. But um, back to the case. Authorities say he picked up a woman who requested a ride from Manhattan to her home in White Plains around 1130 on February 28th. First off, anyone who does an Uber from Manhattan to fucking White Plains, know how much that shit probably costs? Yo, my, I had an ex. This girl fucking paid for Uber on my shit, on my card. For Uber from Yonkers to the Bronx for fifty bucks, I was like, "Yo," and and then I'm and I was bugging because and I was the one that was said to be bugging because I was mad that I just saw a fifty dollar charge on my card without anyone telling me that a fifty dollar charge was gonna be on my card. I'm the I was a bad guy for that. But anyway, I digress. It costs fifty dollars just to get from Yonkers to the Yonkers to the city. Imagine what it costs to get from the city to White Plains. Hell, I'm not paying sixty dollars. Oh hell no. You have to be really drunk for that shit. But anyway, the woman fell fell asleep. Authorities say Palmer changed the um destination in her app to Boston. So he he she fell asleep and he changed the um um the final destination to Boston. And by the way, she got charged like a, over a thousand dollars for this trip. It's fucking it's ridiculous. Like hell no. I would never get an Uber for a long distance. Anything longer than like. Five ten minutes. I'm not taking the Uber. Fuck out of here. Take public transportation. The woman told police that she, when she woke up, she found Palmer on top of her with his hand under her shirt. She demanded that he take her home or to the nearest police station. First off, do you really think this nigga was gonna take you to a police station after you demanded that after you woke up, woke up and interrupted him from what he was doing? He's not taking you in nowhere. You really think he's gonna? You think he's gonna take you to police station so you could turn him in? Are you stupid? He ain't gonna do that. Why? Well, I'm not doing that. I'm not turning myself in. Forget that. Instead, he decided. Investigators say that he dropped her off on the side of I-95 in Brantford, Connecticut. That is hilarious. That is fucking hilarious. He dropped her off on the side of the road, on the side of a highway. Who gets dropped off on the side of a highway? That's some gangster. That's not gangster. That's some terrible stuff. But be careful with Uber. That's all I got to say. Just be careful with Uber. Just make sure the child locks are off are on, are off on the car. Just make sure them things are off. I'm telling you guys. Make sure them things are off. Be careful. Always be careful. Be very be careful. <laughs> Moving. <laughs> also, this week, Rihanna was asked to perform. We found out Rihanna was asked to perform. At the Super Bowl, and she turned it down in support of Colin Kaepernick. Ready to go, Rihanna. Way to go. Thank you. Rihanna's amazing, yo. Oh, my goodness. She's amazing. But I'm glad people still support Colin Kaepernick and not doing that. Amy Shooter. I say Amy Shooter. She might be a shooter now. She's a shooter. She's standing up for black people. She's talking out against wrongs. I appreciate Amy Schumer. 
for talking out. And she supports Colin Kaepernick as well. I'm going to read the post that she made. Um, it's a post by Amy Schumer. I think it was on Saturday. I don't remember what the day it was. But Amy Schumer wrote this post. Oh, my God. Friday thought. I wonder why more white players aren't kneeling. Once you witness truly deep, truly deep inequality and endless racism people of color face in our country, not to mention the police brutality and murders, why not kneel next to your brothers? Otherwise, how are you not complicit? I think it would be cool if Maroon 5 backed out a Super Bowl like Bagger Riri did. I personally told my reps I wouldn't do a Super Bowl commercial this year. I know it must sound like a privileged-ass sacrifice, but it's all I got. Hitting the NFL with the advertisers is the only way to really hurt them. I know opposing the NFL is like opposing the NRA. Very tough, but don't you want to be proud of how you are living? Stand up for your brothers and sisters of color. And the hottest thing a guy can do is get down on one knee. Not to propose, but to reject the treatment of teammates by his country. By this country. Anyone who says it's disrespectful to our military, please read up on the fact that that a lot of veterans are proud of what Kaepernick is doing and fully support him. What are your thoughts? My thoughts are, thank you, Amy Schumer. I don't know. I don't know your motives behind supporting Colin Kaepernick. I really don't care. But I, just support, I, I appreciate the support you're showing him. And I agree with you, Harley. And if you're not going to do any advertisements, I commend you. I appreciate your support for Colin Kaepernick. And I feel like more white players should step up. I think if more white players actually said, like, hey, I support Colin Kaepernick. I think if a white player, white another white quarterback took a knee along along with Colin Kaepernick, I think it would do wonders for him. You know what I mean? If Tom Brady took a knee, I think that would do wonders. If Peyton Manning, if he was still in the league, he took a knee, it would do wonders. Aaron Rodgers, if he took a knee, it would do wonders. Chris Long is a, is a fucking defensive end. No one really, no one knows what he looks like on most occasions. Like the big name quarterbacks, Drew Brees, like one of them, Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers ain't gonna do it. I think it was a, I think it's cowboyed out. Um, yeah, just someone that a prominence, like a white athlete of prominence, like J.J. Watt. If he did it, like people would really be like, oh wow, J.J. Watt's taking a knee. Like they will take notice. Like you saw what JJ Watt was able to do um, raising that money. Like you could raise that money, you could raise awareness for the Colin Cabinet's issues as well. well. That's all I gotta say about Amy Schumer and her post. Thank you, Amy Schumer. We I appreciate your words and I appreciate you standing up for Colin Cabinet. Thank you. Um, some good news. Netflix has finally canceled some damn shows. Oh my goodness. They canceled that Rev Run show. That Rev Run show was terrible. I don't care if you people think, oh, Rev Run, why are they going to do Rev Run like that? The show sucked. That's why. Were you watching? Don't worry, I'll wait. That's what I thought. No one watched that damn show. Luke Cage. I stopped watching Luke Cage after the first season. I did not think. Like, I was going to watch it. I was like, oh, I'm good. It didn't look too good. And guess what? They canceled it. They canceled that other show, Iron Fist. Orange New Black got canceled. Finally, Orange New Black been bad for like at least three seasons. Has been good since like season four. I'm good on Orange New Black. I don't know if you guys watched it, but those shows are going from Netflix. I don't know if y'all heard. Did y'all hear about the floor collapsing at the at a college party in South Carolina near Clemson University? That was crazy. That's exactly why I don't go to fucking parties though. 
It's too many people. Like I don't, wanna, I don't like having a bunch of people on top of me. I hate people stepping on my feet. People drinking, dancing all over. I don't, I don't want all that bumping into me. I, I really get upset. People bump into me for no reason or step on my shoes. I really hate that. Party scenes are not for me. I like nice little, like, I like to hear some music, like a lounge, sit down, chill, chat, smoke some hookah maybe, but drink, all that dance, dancing, standing up, fucking bumping into people, people bumping into you, drunk people, acting the fool. I'm I'm good on that. I feel bad for those people that fell through the floor, but that's some crazy ass shit. Hopefully everyone's doing okay. Um, also, this weekend I was looking at some TV besides, like, shows like, I would watch, like, sports shows, clearly. Spend, like, two hours on sports. <laughs> and then I also watch regular TV shows. I, should, I saw this good documentary on Wayne Brady. It was on um, TV One. I know a lot of you probably don't even know that, especially people who aren't black. Probably don't know what TV One is. <laughs> TV One is basically, like, BET, but TV One doesn't have HD channels, so it's, like, BET. A Jace. <laughs> oh Lord. TV One really needs some goddamn HD channels. I really don't like looking at things on standard definition. Like you pay all this money for cable, they barely have any. Ta- they barely have any channels on the. Like they have a bunch of channels. They barely have anything on the channels. You pay all that money to see not to have all these channels and there's never anything on. And then they have the nerve to not have channels that don't have HD. And you still got to pay for that shit. You gotta be squinting, looking to see. Like, I want to see some HD channels. TV One, get your HD game ready. Damn, I'm sick of this whack ass standard definition. But anyway, Wayne Brady was on unsung Hollywood. I think that was a good episode. I kind of relate to Wayne Brady a lot. When he was talking about struggling on not being black enough, I understood completely what he meant. He was talking about like going to school and having like having to have like a different identity, especially since he was. Going to like a smart school up in, in like a wider neighborhood, and he came from like a like a like a bad like a bad neighborhood. It was like selling drugs and stuff like that, and you had to hear his stupid questions. Man, I, I completely understood everything he was talking about. I went through that same shit when I was in middle school. Coming from going to growing up, going to PS two eighty. Shout out to PS two eighty. Fucking love PS two eighty. Spent my first eight years there. Damn, I spent eight years at PS two eighty from. First, from first grade to to eighth grade when I graduated middle school and turned into a middle school, but yeah, I spent eight years there and it's predominantly a black school. And then you go and you move. I went and moved upstate, and that that's a culture shock. Like I didn't have that same thing as um, Wayne Brady because he he lived in a bad neighborhood and went to school in a white neighborhood. I just I used to live. Here in the Bronx, like in New York, I used to live in the Bronx, and then I moved upstate to the Bronx, upstate to um, Orange County. It's a completely different world up there, man, and it's a it's a culture shock because it's like you're not like you're not seen as black enough, or you don't feel black enough. You might not feel black enough because you then you hear when you grow up later on, like oh, like you don't sound black. And it's like nigga, I am black though. Like who cares if I don't sound black? I don't talk black. What the hell is talking black? Like, little stuff like that, little comments like that. There's little things like that. Like, I understand where Wayne Brady's coming from. And it can mess with you because it's like, damn, I'm not. Cause you, I know with me, it was just weird going from having, being, being in a class where it's majority minority students and then going 
upstate. Even my smart classes in um like the honors classes in um in the Bronx, like it was majority black people in that class. It was a black neighborhood, like majority black. Upstate, I'm like, damn, yo, I go to this class, you walk in the class, you're the only black face in the class, and you're the only one and then you're in the honors classes, it's like, damn, I'm the only one. It's a it's it's a different feeling, man, especially coming being a being thirteen years old. And having that as your experience when you first go into high school is just crazy. So I understood everything he was saying in that show, Wayne Brady. Um, he also talked about the skit. Everyone knows the skit with Dave Chappelle, uh, where Paul Mooney, he said that uh, white people love Wayne Brady because he makes Brian Gubba look like Malcolm X. I thought that shit was hilarious. I don't care. It was a funny-ass joke when I heard it. But I get like how it could fuck with somebody because it's like, damn, like... Paul Mooney is a he's a famous black comedian. And to have him like basically say like oh, like denounce you and basically like put you down like that it hurts because it's like yo when am I gonna be accepted? Like I don't I'm not accepted. I'm not completely accepted by anyone. I'm not accepted by my own people because they don't think I'm black enough for them. Then we go around white people that the only thing that they will remind you of is that you are black. So it's just like that pace that he was in with that, I think that's what led to his depression behind the depression because clearly it affected him because after that Wayne Brady, after that um sketch that Paul Mooney did, he was actually invited onto the um Dave Spell show. We know the famous sketch of Wayne Brady is Wayne Brady gonna have to talk a bitch. That sketch, funny sketch on earth. But after that he was feeling himself because everyone was like, oh you got your street cred and that's how you know you got your street cred like you're black enough for us now. Like, you had to act like that to be accepted by black people. It was just like, wow. Like, why can't I just be accepted for who I am? Like, now you accept me because I'm acting I'm acting black? Like, what does that mean? Air quotes, I'm acting black? What does that mean? So if I didn't do this Chappelle show and, and show, like, a different side of me, you wouldn't have accepted me for who I was? That's how you feel. And I understood, like, you would battle depression too. If you have that two, those two things working against you, the pressures of your own race and the pressures of rate of other people outside of your race diminish who you are. They like they're trying to put you in a box, and you're not in a box. Like you're you. At the end of the day, you have to remember, like you have to be yourself at all times. You can't just you can't capitulate to other people's feelings and and your environment. Like at all times, you just gotta remain yourself. But anyway, off that, I don't want to get too deep into that stuff. Back to another show. Um, How to Get a Murder. How to Get a Murder is a damn good show. I love TGIT. TGIT. I haven't looked at um, my Ratchet Mondays. Oh, my goodness. I forgot about my Ratchet Mondays. I stopped watching it for a little bit. It was pretty good. Ratchet Mondays. Um, that Ratchet Monday for me is Love and Hip Hop. I can't wait for Love and Hip Hop New York come out. And also, I had um, Wednesdays. It's reality TV. Black Ink, love my Black Ink, but um, How I Get Over It. That was a great episode. I like that episode. Funny shit about that episode when that when that white woman tried to touch Annalise's hair, Annalise like smacked her hand like, "What you doing?" That shit was hilarious. I know that feeling so bad. I know it. I know it. I've watched my mom be like be in lines and people come up to her and touch her locks. Be like, "Oh my god, I love your locks." It's so nice. I love this jewelry in it. Like, I want to do it for myself. No, white lady. Stop touching my hair. 
What's wrong with you? You just don't go touching people's hair. I don't get why people. Why do they think they can just touch your hair like that? That's that's rude. You don't just touch someone's hair. Say excuse me. May I like I love your hair. May I touch it? You ask. You don't just touch someone's hair. It's weird. We're not you're not a pet. You don't pet us. Lord have mercy. I've had black. I've had people ask me about my hair. I'm like nigga, stop. Like what are you doing? Like why are you touching my hair? That's weird. What if I walked up to you and started touching your hair? That's weird. Don't ever touch my hair like that. That, that part of the episode made me laugh. Seeing Annalise just smack that woman's hand away. Because I know the struggle. I know it. But also that black female, that black lawyer that's on the show now that Annalise was like dancing with in the show. And Michaela's trying to like impress. I like her role. It's a, I like how How Do We Get With Murder is moving now. Like ever since they got rid of Wes, like I didn't know where the show would go. But I like the direction it's going. And I, I like how to get away with murder. But it's time, it's time, it's time, it's time, it's time, it's time. Set to serve a sip of the week. Respect the bubble. Respect your everyone's personal bubble. Don't invade the customer's personal space. Don't invade other servers' personal space. I know some of you pe- some of you servers like to be our close talkers. You like to get right up in the server's face when you're talking to them. Like when you address them, you have to get up in their face. Don't do that. Back up. Take a step back and talk. With your tables. Don't be in their face with the pad, writing your order, writing the order down. Back up. It's okay. You don't have to you don't have to be that close to the people. You can back up a little bit and take their order. Don't worry, guys. It's still gonna be there. So remember, this week, step service tip. Don't invade the personal bubble. No one likes a close talker, especially the close talker has bad breath. Don't be all close. It makes them uncomfortable. You ever seen someone back up from you when they're talking on close or you're like leaning in on them? Don't do it. Don't be that guy. Until next week, guys, see you. Enjoy your week. Thank you guys for listening again. This is Super Junior Podcast. Thank you again. Hey, y'all. Hey.